0: Today, uh, the word is going to deal with our hearts about the principle of work. Yeehaw, that would get a bunch of people here, wouldn't it? Uh, I know we got a lot of people gone on vacation, but still, a lot of people in the house, uh, balcony crowd, good to see y'all up there. Uh, I don't always look up there because sometimes those lights get in my eyes, but y'all are a good looking bunch up there today. Um, Work, it's a principle of God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, I get tickled because I watch at my age, <clears throat> a lot of people start retiring. And I watch as you look forward all your life to retiring. And what I've watched about you people when you retire, you look for work. And it's not for money. I mean, Brad, I guess you're, reti- you're semi-retired. Sometimes you're on the road, sometimes you choose to, but you have that choice. But when you're not working, you're working. You're gardening. You're selling stuff at the farmer's market. Ken retired from Cogswell Motors. You know what he's doing? He's selling cars. (laughs) So, you know, you, you think you look forward to it all your life when you don't have to work. And I'm watching you people. You're working. You know Why? because you're like God you're like God you're busy doing something and so for all of us younger ones who haven't retired yet uh, please observe Uh, retirement may not be all it's cracked up to be you're going to be finding something to do Uh, go with me to second kings chapter four the good thing is that retirement you get to choose we're going to talk a little bit about that I think we can have that option ahead of time Rusty says amen. Fishing is not work, baby. It costs, well, it may be work, but it doesn't pay very well. Well, it's an expensive habit. But what else would I have him out doing, right? Mowing the yard or something ridiculous. (laughs) He keeps the yard good. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV if you're on a device. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my, my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want you to circle, underline, highlight whatever you do on those devices that you use. That phrase, how can I help you? Because God wants to help you. If you're in debt, listen to me. God wants to help you. But here's his next question. How can I help you? And what do you have? In your house. Your servant. This is her answer. Your servant has nothing there at all. Except. Does King James say except? Circle that. Because that's a huge word. I don't have anything. See we we can end the sentence right there. And we can be in trouble financially. But she didn't end the sentence right there. I don't have anything. See, back back in the day, in her day, when your husband died, if he didn't leave you set, you were doomed. You were destitute. There wasn't a welfare system there taking care of you. Women didn't go out and get jobs and employment and, and, and manufacturing or something where they could have insurance and income. She was was in trouble. She said, I don't have anything except, except I got a little oil. We're talking Crisco here, people. Olive oil if you're healthy. She said, I've got a little bit of oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Here's one thing that you need to know about prosperity God, god style. It'll be you and God partnering together. He wants to help you, but when he tells you what to do, even if it doesn't make sense, do it. This did not make sense. I want you to go to all your neighbors. Can you imagine? Everybody knew she was a widow. They probably knew the creditors were after her. Can I borrow your pots? Can I I have all your Tupperware? That, That doesn't make sense. She's over here about to starve, and she's going around asking for everybody's Tupperware. That doesn't make sense. What you're doing may not make sense. But if God said to do it, do it. Go get all their empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Don't just read the scripture, y'all. Think about it in her head she had to think that's going to be the small size jar because I just have a little bit of oil left. She had to have the faith to take the oil that she had instead of just looking at the oil that she had, tip that oil jar, pour it into another vessel, which makes no sense to put what you have into another vessel, It's not gaining anything, is it? Well, it is if it's God. And he said to do it. She took it, Rick. She poured it into a vessel. And it wasn't empty. She poured it into a vessel. And it wasn't empty. She poured it into a vessel. And it wasn't empty. She poured it into a vessel. And it wasn't empty. And she poured it into a vessel. And it wasn't empty. Do you know how long she poured oil? Till she ran out of vessels. Who set the limit on what God could do in her life? She did. By how many vessels she gathered. I'm telling you, all I think I would just be seeing if paper bags would hold oil. I mean, at that point, when you're pouring and it's still oil, and you're pouring and there's still oil, at at what point do you stop? Don't ask for a few, shut the door, pour the oil in the jars as each is filled, put it to one side. And she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. (laughs) I love that. What a mama. And the son replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. Look, I know the prosperity message has gotten a bad rap, but this is godly prosperity. This isn't greed. This is godly provision and prosperity. God saw her. He saw her need. He saw the needs of her children, and he told her what to do. They came up with a game plan. She did what God said, and God filled the pots. She had her part. God had his part, and she was able to live on what was left. So, I mean, she didn't shortchange herself here except that, It could have kept going if she had more pots. But she got to live on what, she got to live the rest of her life on what was left. You remember we talked about this verse, I think, no, I wasn't here last week, week before last, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. The willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. The willing and obedient eat the good of the land she was willing she was obedient and it sustained her the rest of her days I love this story I shouldn't say story this account of this woman's life because it shows me that there is something in you there's something in you and that's one thing I love about baby dedications Is we always try to acknowledge that God has already placed in every individual something that will prosper them. There's something you possess, there's an ability that you have, or there's a reoccurring desire. You know, when the scripture says that He gives you the desires of your heart, it doesn't just mean He gives you what you want. It means he places godly desires on the inside of you that will bless you in every area of your life. Mariah, what have you always wanted to do as a career? Be a coach. You know, we saw you in that in junior high, high school shooting those three-pointers pass the ball to mj she's gonna make a three-pointer she played ball with chelsea something always in you driven to that i love the teachings of dr ken stewart we haven't had dr ken here in a long time but what a man of god um he he is a doctor an earned doctorate And uh, teaches on finances a lot. And he teaches along these lines about the desires of your heart. Those things that God places on the inside of you to prosper you. Not ignoring those things but developing those things. Following the plan of God. That is the beginning of the plan of God in you is desire. If you place yourself in his presence, you, 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 uh, you want to serve him, you want to please him, you, you, you want to live for him, then he puts things on the inside of you. And if you follow that plan, not only will you prosper, but your soul will be satisfied. And if you work and you hate it, you haven't found that spot yet. And I'm not telling you to quit your job because, but you find it while you work. Find it while you work until you are pleased with what you do. And then you find that spot that God meant for you. There's something in you that will prosper you. Every single one of you sitting in this room right now, watching on live stream, watching on YouTube, listening on the radio, every single one of you, God has already placed it inside of you. Now, what if we learned that at age five, six, seven, eight? where we directed our college and directed our schooling, directed our training, our vocational schools, if we directed our children to follow that inward desire instead of, I got a scholarship, so I got to go to school. Can I, can I take a moment here and give you some grandmotherly, used to be motherly advice, now it's grandmotherly advice. Chelsea was the creative child and I don't know if if any of you follow her on Facebook you're just gonna be in awe of the woman that she has become as a mother. Um, She didn't need to go to college. She knew she didn't want to go to college and she is a brilliant mother and a, a, a brilliant artist in so many areas of life. Wade was my brainiac and uh, very intelligent in a book level and common sense level and so he scholarshiped you know the first time he took the the test and so I as a mom thought oh great free college and I don't really he you knew him Matt, you knew him. Uh, you worked with him out the plant. Um, he wanted to work with his hands. You know, he was a man's man kind of guy, you know, raised on the farm. My dad taught him everything out there. And, and uh, I said, you know what? You got a free ride. Let's, let's go try it. That's the worst decision I ever made for him. Worst decision I ever made for him. And if he had gone four years for free and graduated, he would not have been making what he made the day he was killed out there. He made more money without a degree than most people make with a degree because he was doing what he loved and he was excellent at it. Therefore, he excelled and God put favor on his life. So when you're bringing up these kids, don't listen to your head. See their hearts. Help them to follow what God has placed on the inside of them. Bring up a child in the way they should go. Bring up a child in the way they should go. To the bend that God has put in them, that's the way you got them. That's better than y'all are, amen, and... Deuteronomy 8:18. 8, I think we may have covered this, but remember God. It is he that gives you the power to get wealth. It's in you. And it's God-given. It's in you and it's God-given that he may establish his covenant. You know your success is proof that he is God to the outsider. You know who's you know who's feeding the poor? You you just look across the nations. Do you know who's doing the work? Eric knows. You know who's doing it? The Christians. It's the Christians. And you may not ever preach a sermon, but every time you lend, you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord, the scripture says, and he will repay Ecclesiastes 5.19. i got so much preach on me, I can't hardly get Ecclesiastes out. 5.19. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions, see, the, the world wants to say Christians shouldn't have anything. Let me rephrase that the religious world that says Christians shouldn't have anything. This says when God gives any man wealth and possessions, so if it's a sin, God just caused you to sin. Look, money's not a sin. The love of money is sin. That's why we call this godly prosperity, because we got to keep our heads on straight. We've got to keep our hearts right. When he gives a man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them. Oh, that's profound. That is profound. See, God gives wealth without sorrow. Scripture makes that plain. Without sorrow. He enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy, happy, in his work I'm telling you if you're not happy in your work you haven't found your place yet keep, keep working but keep listening listen to this to accept his lot and be happy in his work this is a gift of God Your soul satisfaction in what you do is a gift of God. Follow it. Listen to it. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Isn't that good? This is so good. Work is not under the curse. The sweat of your brow, working by the sweat of your brow was under the curse. Work was in the garden before man fell. It was a commission by God. It's Genesis 2:15. The Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. It was part of man's God-given plan to accomplish something for God. That's what our work is to be. Deuteronomy 28 repeatedly states that God will bless The work, that's not listed under the curses. See, Deuteronomy 28 is is split up. The first 13, 14 uh, verses are the blessings and the rest are the curses. Did you know that him blessing the work of your hands is under the blessing side, not under the curse side? That's because work was to be a blessing. And it repeatedly says that. In fact, verse 8 even says he will command... God will command the blessing on what you set your hands to do. So even while you're in transition of finding going from work that you hate to making money doing what you love to do, even in that transition, your hands are doing and God will command a blessing on it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to me. Your job may be your oil. Well, I just work. Great, you have a job. That gives God something to bless, that gives Him something to pour out of. Great, you have a job. I'm just flipping burgers. You got a job. You've got oil. I don't have anything except I just make minimum wage. God will command a blessing on it. He'll command a blessing on it. You flip those burgers better than anybody's ever seen a burger flipped in your life and you see how long you stay in your position. You do what you do as unto the Lord and see what God will do with your position. Thank you, Mary, for the amen. Your hobby may be your oil. Oh, John and Corinne, can I, can I? John and Corinne were, I guess, doing honey to help pay for John's dad's nursing care. How many countries do you even think order from Central beekeeper Supply right now? Any idea? Several countries. See, they're, they're beekeeping. How many hives did you have at the beginning? about eight to 10 hives, they were doing this as a hobby, supplemental money to help pay for something for the family. And it began to grow. People began to need things. So they, out on their land, buy their house, it built a shop, started keeping supplies for the other people who wanted to start keeping bees. And John Glenn and Cora, can be seen now on YouTube giving lessons. I don't know if they got Josie in on that or not. No, Josie said, no, that's Cora's, that's Cora's. You can go on YouTube and you can, you can watch Central Beekeepers, you can watch Cora and John teach people about beekeeping. And then it got so big functioning out of their house, out of their shop, out, on, out in the country, people would drive to get beekeeping supplies. That they moved into town on highway 64 you'll pass by you'll see central beekeepers supply and there and online people from multiple countries oh they had to quit their jobs had to quit their nine-to-fives they had to quit their jobs and they got to do what they love that's God t-shirts we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago SJ's t-shirts now we're in two different towns Jane's blessings making t-shirts she has a degree she's not using it she's doing what God placed in her heart anybody else here switch occupations in hobby I think about Mark and coffee coffee who would have thought it you got a degree Pastored for many, many years. We still make use of that knowledge as a church family, praise God. He'll be teaching Wednesday night. Selling coffee. Well, who is going to pay five or six bucks for a cup of coffee? Everybody raise your hand that just answered yes. There you go. See, that seems stupid to a whole world of people. What? You're going to sell coffee? You're going to sell cop? Yeah. Now he's got one over by McDonald's. Now he's got one in the Old City Mall. He's got one across the bridge in Dardenau, and he's just opening up one in Atkins. That's God. Bridget Smith's got a degree. She teaches. She's retired. But she's not quit. now she's writing children's books. Come on now. You get to live your dream. When you're in God, you get to live your dream. That's good. David Holmes retired. Now he does financial help with people. And I'm trying to think of the guy's name it's Dave Ramsey courses. Now he helps people with Dave Ramsey courses. God's good. Your dreams aren't dead. They're waiting. You just start talking to God about it. Don't get in a hurry. Just listen and obey. Be willing, listen, and obey. And man, I got pages and pages of notes. Work is a blessing. Your hobby may be your oil. Your job may be your oil. But one thing's for sure, God did not skip you when he said, he gives you the power to obtain wealth so that he can establish his covenant. That means your heart's right. You're doing it for the right reasons, provision for your family, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, right? He didn't skip you. When I was praying Friday, I was out walking. Jeremiah 29:11 kept coming to me and I thought, God, that does not fit. You ever tell God that? God, that does not fit. Is not fit where what I'm te- what I'm teaching Sunday morning. Well, it did fit. So go with me to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You probably can say it. God's speaking, talking to Israel, but He says, "I know. I know the plan." Everybody say, "God knows the plan." for me. God knows the plan for you. He knows the plan for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. They're plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call on me, you'll come and pray to me. I'm going to listen to you when you seek me and find me. When you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. Listen, I see debt as captivity. And debt keeps you owing your future to something else. Hear me? That's, this is what he showed me on the walk. Debt keeps you owing your future to someone else. And it takes away your freedom to choose. Well, I can't do that because I have to make this payment. And I can't, I can't do that. I can't borrow that money for that business because I have to pay this debt. You see see what he's saying? It holds you captive. It holds your creativity captive. It holds your choices captive. It takes away hope. And it keeps you living in the past. Debt keeps you living in the past. You're always looking back at what you owe. Are y'all getting this? This was God. It keeps you looking back at what you owe. And if you're looking back at what you owe and God shows you something you need to do in your future, you're too in fear of your past to make the decision that He's put in front of you. He wants that eliminated, He wants the fear eliminated but what Jeremiah 29:11 shows me is that a plan, a God-given plan is tied to hope and future. It's tied to hope and future. God has a plan. I want to read it again. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I want to ask you right now, what is your plan to get out of debt? Write it down. Write down the question. What is your plan to get out of debt? Because if you don't have a plan, you don't have a hope in a future. That's what he showed me. That's for somebody. I hope it stirs something up on every single one of you. He has a plan. And if you, there are principles, y'all just go read the book of Proverbs. There are principles in the book of Proverbs that are life-altering. And anybody in here that is under the age of 20 and you haven't started your life off in debt, I want you to read the book of Proverbs several times a year. You will never regret it because it is much easier to be smart before you've made mistakes than to try to work the principles of God after you've, you have know, still work. But you're starting at ground level, and some people are starting in a hole. Either way will work, old people in debt. Either way will work. Work for me, just like it does for the 16-year-old. But I, but if you're in debt, you've got a lot further to go. And I want these kids, Bryce and Riley, and and these, and this Riley, I got Rileys everywhere. I want them to look at it going forward, not start off down here. Anybody else in the room want them to start off that way? We want them to start off right, not making mistakes. I love this message God has the plan His principles work I was blessed to grow up in a household that taught me the principles of God and yes I borrowed money to buy houses but that was it and then I wasn't stupid and listen to me oh man it's 1130 we got all day don't we I hope my kids aren't watching who are waiting on me to get home (laughs) to go with them somewhere. Just, I'll be there. Don't buy the house that you qualify for. When you go to the bank and you find out what loan you qualify for, listen to me, young people. Don't buy the house that you qualify for because come Friday night you're going to want to go eat pizza and you're not going to have the money to do it. You're going to want to go to Branson and take your kids for the weekend and you're not going to have the money to do it because you listed out all your income when you went to the bank to borrow money and they told you what you can afford off of what you make and if you want to take your kids to Branson to Silver Dollar City you're not going to have the money because they figured what you can borrow off of every single dime that comes into your hands. That's good. I so you take you some money off of what they say you qualify for and you live in freedom and you take those kids to Branson and you buy their school clothes. Way better preaching than nice. And I'm so thankful that my grandparents, my great aunts and uncles, my parents sowed godly wisdom into me. And we, as a single mom, divorced, two kids, not a lot of help coming from the dad at that time. Began to function on my own, on the principles of God. Made up my mind that by the age of 40, I would be debt free. What? Oh yeah. And God brought a piece of land up behind the country club across my path. Freshly divorced, living in my parents' basement. Buy land? Yeah, because God said to. Y'all know, y'all ever driven up behind the golf course now and seen the houses that are up there? One of those lots was mine. And I bought that piece of property off the instruction of God. And I sold it for increase. And with that, I bought a house. And I fixed it up, lived in it two years, me and the kids, and I sold it for increase and then I bought another house and we fixed it up I'm talking about cosmetic fixing up I'm not talking about I'm not this HGTV girl (laughs) I'm talking about what I could do paint flooring and my kids I can't tell you how many times we moved but I can tell you this I didn't, I was not debt free at age 40. But at age 42, we were living in a quarter of a million dollar homes, cars, fishing boat, (laughs) zero debt. I'm not bragging on me because there is no way on God's green earth for that to have happened. Other than the principles of God being taught to me as a child and me choosing them. There's no way. There's no way. And I want you to know now that our wealth did not come from Wade's death or trial. We ain't had trial yet. Our wealth came from God's principles. At work in our lives. And I won't ever apologize for it. I'm going before you. Listen to me. If there's one thing I can talk to you about. It's this right here. If you will listen to God. And walk in his wisdom. You don't have to be slave to the lender. There's freedom in it. It's amazing how different things look from a place of freedom. Fear keeps you in a cycle. Keeps you in a cycle. Let me tell you about a cycle. A circle doesn't ever take you anywhere different than where you've already been. And you may make more money, an increase may come, but then if you borrow more money and have more debt, you ain't got anywhere. You may look like you got somewhere. Your house may be bigger, your car may be nicer, but if every time God brings you increase, you increase your debt, you're in a circle, a cycle. And you may look like you have more, but you are still the hamster on the wheel. And that's not freedom. That little guy is just spinning that wheel, running in that wheel, and he thinks he's getting somewhere he has never been anywhere but where he has already been. That's not you, kids of God. That's not you. Fear keeps you in a cycle, but faith, I'm telling you what, it launches you out. Because once that fear's removed and you know God is your provider and you know his principles, then fear can't keep you in the cycle. Faith will launch you out, and then you'll say, you know what, maybe we could sell supplies for bees. What a thought That's a great thought a lot of you've had a lot of dreams not all of them are to be followed only the God-given ones but when you have a God given one let faith launch you into it use wisdom they didn't go quit their jobs they waited until the business took them out of their jobs I remember my dad doing that as a pastor he sold cars car salesmen are godly I know he sold cars until the ministry took him out of the job there's there's great wisdom in that work doesn't have to be a grind to pay your bills until the day you die it's a blessing it's a blessing. Work has work was to be a blessing and a part of the plan of God. In fact, Ephesians 4:28 indicates that we don't just work for a living, we work for a giving. We we've talked often, I could retire. But I work not just here. We have rentals, etc. So that we're not just making a living, but we can have to give to every good work. And that's freedom. That's, that's the plan of God. Ephesians 4.28 says this, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. What's the purpose of him working? That he may have to share with those in need. This will change the aspect of your paycheck when it's not going to debt, but it's a reservoir for God to use, work looks different. That gets fun. That's a blessing. Work was meant to be satisfying to the soul, and that's why. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The soul. You see that word in there? Not the bank account. The soul of the sluggard craves. And the soul of the sluggard is not satisfied. But the soul of the diligent, his soul is richly supplied. That's more than money. Godly prosperity is more than money. Your soul is richly satisfied. That's the way God works. Go with me to Proverbs 24 and we'll close with this one. Kind of. I'll work on closing with this one. Man, I wish y'all weren't so quiet today because I'm feeling it up here. I'm passionate about this subject. Proverbs 24 I'm telling you, I'm thankful for a husband who works. Gets up, gets there early, does whatever they ask him to do and beyond. Isn't that a blessing? Proverbs 24, 30. He said, I went past the field of the sluggard and past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Lacks understanding, some versions say so he's walking past this field, and he sees the field of the sluggard, or the lazy man, some versions say, of the man who lacks understanding. There's something to be understood in prosperity. And he's looking at this field. He says there was thorns coming up everywhere, and the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall around it was in ruins and I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity or lack, like an armed man. It is a force, and it will hold you captive. That's what an armed man does, right? Forces you and he holds you captive, holds you in fear. If you miss this, then poverty can come on you like a bandit and scarcity, need, will come on you like an armed man, will begin to demand what you do. You will work on this job because you owe this. You have no choice but to do this because you owe this. So, this man looked at this field and he said, I looked at this field and this is what I learned. He's trying to teach us. What I saw when I looked at that field was that the man that was in poverty had a field, he he had a field that just wasn't worked. The potential is there. He just hasn't worked it. Well, I can't. I can't do this because of this, and I can't do that because of that. Well, there is something. You have oil. God made sure every person has potential. And it's in you. And you can work 9 to 5 and you can punch your clock. And if that satisfies you, do it with everything you've got and enjoy it. But if you hate work, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I want to stir up in you that you're not too old and it's not too late. I have a dear friend who is a little bit older than me. I would say... Oh, mm, our doctor friend, um, five or six years older than me, probably seven or eight years older than me, who had a family, uh, she, uh, I, I think four, four kids at the time, who was working, but she had in her a desire to be a doctor. I'm talking about I already had four kids on the ground. But had a dream, as some of y'all know, her. came here to the church for years. Went back to school with a family, four kids. Went to college, went to med school because she had a burning desire to deliver babies, bring them into the world, and was one of the most phenomenal OBGYNs that our state has ever seen. Now a lot of you would say, I can't do this, I've got four kids, I can't do this, I'm in my 30s or 40s, I can't do this because that There'd be a lot of debt. Hey, have you looked at the price of what it costs to have a baby? It doesn't take long to pay that school debt off. It's more of an investment than it is a debt. Don't squelch what God has put on the inside of you. Use wisdom. He will give you the plan. The plan. And the plan will always point to the future. And it'll be good.